it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, Ben Fuller. 2022, Ben decided to follow his passion and switch from a career in engineering to becoming a Web3 strategist in the motorsport and gaming industry. Ben currently works for Velcor, a leading racing gaming and lifestyle media platform. Welcome to Tea with Mike. How are you? Hey, Mike. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Like we were talking about before we hit record, known each other a little bit through Twitter, but not really had a chance for an in-depth conversation for whatever the reason that may be. And I talk about it all the time on the Tea with Mike show. That it's always nice to make connections, but then kind of make the effort to take it to that next level to get to know someone beyond that. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I like this. Or I retweeted this. It's kind of nice to get to know to almost that why. Like, why are you interested in connecting with this person? What is it about them that kind of interests you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, it's actually something I thought about recently is that I feel like in today's society, a lot of it is a case of like, hey, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, you. And then that's kind of where the conversation usually stops. And I'm a big believer in that we need more deep, meaningful conversations in society. So whether that's through me and folks on Twitter like yourself or, you know, just in general day to day, I'm a big believer of that and something that's been on my mind a lot recently. So happy to be here and happy to, yeah, have this have this fun conversation with you. Awesome. So good, good timing, it sounds. And so... Before we kind of get going, can you briefly tell us what a Web3 strategist is and kind of what they do? Yeah, so this is probably one of the more difficult questions. So essentially, it's like next phase of the internet. So you kind of had the early stages of the internet where you had like your like basic like Googles and like search engines. Then you had like social media, like Facebook, Instagram, etc. And now really this is just like the next phase of the internet. So it's the likes of... AR, it's augmented reality, virtual reality, AI, which is a hot topic at the moment. You obviously have like cryptocurrencies and like NFTs like dibbling in there as well. And like the technology that that's built upon, um, which is really game changing. So yeah, my day to day was basically actually ironically kind of through Twitter, partially um, a guy that we both follow called Gary Vaynerchuk. I got into the world of NFTs and Web3 and then Really, really through that, in hindsight, I kind of built up this knowledge over time of just reading articles, watching podcasts, or listening to podcasts, watching videos, and found myself in a position whereby I'd kind of got to a point where I understood the tech well enough. A brand that I just so happened to be a part of their community reached out to me and wanted me to get on board to help them kind of move in the direction where now a lot of like the bigger brands are going to. So yeah so my day-to-day is kind of just really helping to like strategize in terms of what we do and why we should do it and how is it going to benefit us in the long run so yeah being there for over a year now really enjoying it and yeah excited to see where things go there's obviously a lot of moving parts is still a very new um, thing that people are hearing about but with that new change in technology or shift in technology there's a lot of innovation there's a lot of just like change and very fast pace and you know it's enjoyable and it's fun so yeah i hope that kind of gave you a bit of an insight into into what i do because it's all still very like brand new it's like you said it's still developing like daily and so 
I guess it's hard when someone asks you, oh, what are your job responsibilities? Like, what do you do day to day? Because it seems like a percentage at your input, a percentage of, of it is like figuring it out in, I guess, real time, I guess, and then like communicating whatever that may be right to other people on, on the team. Is that kind of right? Yeah, I think in the early days, a lot of it was like just trying to come up with a concept. Part of it was educational in terms of just, you know, internally trying to help get people to understand what it meant for, like, what it meant um, in terms of just, I think, understanding the tech and then understanding what we can do with it. Then after that, it was just a case of how can we take an existing brand that's been operating for over five years and, you know, kind of integrate it now into this into this next phase. Um, so that was definitely a lot in the early days. Now we're kind of getting ready to launch what we've been working on for the past 12 to 18 months. So now there's a lot more, I guess, just refining the product and like the marketing side and starting to, you know, raise awareness of the project and yeah, getting people interested, involved, building that community, um, educating them. So yeah, it's exciting. Um, definitely learn a lot and yeah, excited to see where it goes. Cool. So we'll get back to this kind of a little later in the show, but let's kind of go back to beginning. So where did you grow up and where do you call home now? Sure. So if you can't tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. I live in the east of England, fortunate enough to live in the countryside or a rural area, um, very close to the seaside. So yeah, I've lived here all my life. As I mentioned to you before we start recording, I'm probably or very likely going to soon be moving to the big city in London for work purposes. So that's going to be an interesting journey. Um, but yeah, just that's kind of where I've grown up. And yeah, I guess like very fortunate in that regard. So yeah. What's your favorite thing about living in kind of the countryside slash the seaside? I think it's just the case of, in comparison, it's very quiet, which I like. And the fact that you can just go out for a walk and or even if you go for like a five or ten minute drive, you can find like a local forest or woods or you can go for a walk along the river. Or, you know, I think we, we touched on it again, funny enough, before recording, but just kind of that nature part and just growing up a bit have definitely taken it for granted, probably to a point where I stay inside more and I don't even think about it, but definitely compared to living in a city I think yeah that's definitely a massive a massive bonus awesome man so what were kind of some of your favorite things to do growing up and why growing up I was definitely a big motorsports fan I still am um got into Formula One through my older brother kind of extended out to a couple of different other motorsports but Formula One has and like always been the main one for me I was also a massive gamer so remember early on having like the what even was it? It was like a Nintendo Game Boy or Game Boy, Nintendo, you know, DS, like PlayStation, Wii, Xbox, yeah, yeah. PC. So heavy gamer. Definitely not as much now as I used to. But yeah, I don't know, like probably my first game was when I was like five, probably playing Pokemon or something. I don't know. I had a great time playing that. And then maybe as I got older, kind of went more in the direction of like sports games or like racing games and like first person shooters or you know just kind of those type of general games try to play sports a bit during school and like outside school but probably wasn't the most athletic person so yeah i don't know i think those kind of the main ones sports and gaming definitely when when growing up 
Oh man, so if I was to ask your teachers, how would they describe you as a school kid? Would they say you were extroverted, introverted, wouldn't wouldn't be quiet in class, like the creative one? Like what would they say? I think at school, I don't think I was the most introverted, but I also don't think I was the most extroverted. I think I was probably somewhere in the middle. I think at school I was quite confident or I felt somewhat confident. I definitely weren't athletic. I definitely wasn't creative. I was more problematic solving like math, science, those areas. Yeah. So I'd say natural problem solver with a natural curiosity. Very good. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> when you did prom and when you like graduated or like left secondary school, whatever you want to call it, your school do end of year like awards but voted by the students? That's a great question. Did we do that? I don't know. We had like, we definitely, I think it depends what age you are. Definitely like elementary school, I guess for you, like we definitely had like regular awards ceremonies and stuff just for like, you know, rewarding achievements. I think then like, Higher up school, was it like senior school? Secondary school, yeah. Secondary school. Secondary school, probably not as much. I'm going to say no, which is kind of odd because I'm trying to think there must have been something. But I don't remember there being one. Or maybe there was one and they just didn't tell me about it. I don't know. There was like a couple of like ceremonies, but it wasn't. I don't. If you're going down the direction of like who was like the funniest or like who was the... Who was most likely to be the next prime minister? Yeah, I don't don't think we had that. I don't think we had that, but I think we probably had best achiever in like maths or science or English or, you know, something like that. Um, So, yeah, that's a shame, actually. I've been super curious to know, yeah, like you say, just kind of like these random boards and who's most likely to. That'd been a fun concept. I went to school at Richmond School in like North Yorkshire, and I I have a whole book like so it's like so there's all the different like tutors and everybody has a like an individual section like and there was certain questions that you could like submit an answer to so everyone's just slightly different so it's got all these things like stuff like who are your best friends favorite subjects like a, a whole bunch of stuff and then and then there's a section where it's like where you voted who's most likely to win an Olympic gold medal and so there's all of those and then there's I also a, was not yeah. <laughs> no but and then, and then there was yeah. also a section full of kind of like images of like school trips and even like other things right because it was like put together by the student it's kind of cool I don't recall that happening at our school so yeah slightly disappointed but cool concept so Depends on school and then like who's in the year, right? Because it was that was a lot of like student-driven stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like a group yeah. got together, the popular group, you know, and put it yeah. together. You know, fun idea. Yeah, school's interesting, like for dynamics and like who's considered like popular, and then how things change over time. And some people, not they don't peak, but they're like the most confident in school. And then there's people that have still. That still have to develop like further, and and then, but if you look at it in like twenty years, like it could be a completely different mix to what it was like in school. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you have this like in Canada or like America where you have like these big like say ten year, twenty year reunions? Some places do. Again, it really depends okay. on the people in the air and how much they care about sure. doing stuff like that, right? You know. 
because I feel like that might end up happening with us. And to your point, I'd be, you know, to your point, you know, the person that was probably most popular in secondary school, like where are they at? And then maybe someone that was more introverted in secondary yeah. school, maybe they've like completely changed. Yeah. Because um, most of those people you won't have seen for like 10 plus years. So most of them you don't ever talk to again. Exactly. Yeah. So it would be be pretty wild to yeah go back into that room and see how everyone's changed i kind of secretly hope that happens at some point um, just because i think it'd be fun but it's a good yeah. social experiment too <laughs> yeah. all right man so growing up who were kind of some of the biggest influences on your life and how did they kind of shape you into who you are today well i'm initially thinking of like when i'm like very young between like the ages of like five and 18 that's more difficult the only thing i could think of is that there's probably some YouTubers or like online, I guess like quote unquote celebrities that I used to watch a lot. And I would just like watch their lives and what they got up to. And I guess maybe being like somewhat inspired by that or liked their lifestyle and what they stood for. I think it's easier for me to answer it in like the past five years because the past five years, I think it was like 2018 when I came across Gary's content properly actually funny story originally it wasn't the first time i came across gary v's content originally i came across it probably like 2013 but like my older brother was like watching him on tv as like on youtube and i was just like in the room on my phone or something and just like wasn't interested and then like fast forward five years later appeared on my youtube timeline watched one video and then from there, watch another video and then, you know, the rest is history, right? And I always kind of like to tell that story because there's like some saying of when it's the right time, the teacher will find a student or something like that. And I remember reading quite a lot of books and it was always kind of saying like, oh, you, you know, and it was like entrepreneurial kind of type books. And it was always like, oh, you need a mentor, you need a mentor, you need a mentor. And at the time, you always think, oh, OK, I need to like pay like someone $50 a month to mentor me but just by consuming content from him definitely had a big impact on my life and has definitely helped influence who i've become today so gary's definitely a big one i think a couple of other people i like stephen bartlett okay. uh, the diary the diary of the ceo podcast have you ever watched that no should i you should definitely watch that <laughs> diary of ceo podcast is like yeah Highly recommend. We actually had Gary on probably like six to 12 months ago, and it was a great episode. But um, he's quite big in the UK. So definitely those two people. And after that, I don't really know. I just think naturally you're influenced by your upbringing, your environment, your friends, what you watch, who you speak with, you know. So yeah, those are probably the two main people that I guess I look up to, slash, I feel that I've been influenced by the most. Awesome. So on your LinkedIn profile, it shows that you took an electrical engineering apprenticeship. So what interested you about engineering and why did you decide to pursue this career initially? So I, in, in kind of reflection, I always felt that being in school or education was always kind of a case of what were you good at and what did you enjoy? So because I felt that I was like a natural problem solver, naturally I was always drawn to maths and sciences then really from a career path i felt that i could either go into medicine accountancy or engineering medicine i didn't really have any interest in accountancy 
think my parents thought I'd get bored. So engineering just kind of like felt like the default option. And then growing up as a motorsports fan, I kind of put two and two together and thought that maybe that'd be something I'd be interested in. To be honest, even at 18, when I made that decision, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I just thought, you know, engineering kind of made sense. So uh, I had the option to go to college or uni to like study further, but I decided against that and done this three-year apprenticeship in electrical engineering. So I was being paid to learn the skill. I was getting, I guess, like industrial experience. So yeah, that's kind of how how that came around. And in hindsight, I think it was it was a big learning curve. Like I think, and part of it is the job, and part of it is at a similar time discovering Gary. But combination of those two factors, like that two or three year window like I developed a lot as a person I've definitely found out a lot more of like what do I like what do I dislike just like my I think my overall mindset and how I approach things and yeah just learned a lot for sure and kind of came to the conclusion that what I initially thought engineering was going to be it was okay but it felt that I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. And I felt that I wanted to do something else. And I think almost, you know, probably 85, 90% of my friends all went to college slash uni. And I think it can be perceived, I don't know how it is in Canada, for example, but in our, in our country, it kind of seems that when you get to secondary school, they kind of want to push as many people through to yeah. college or university because that's like, the standards within society so if you do anything different it's kind of I don't know it's different right it's like why are you doing something different so doing the opposite to like I say probably like 90% of the people I'd grown up with definitely probably gives some like question marks but in hindsight it's probably one of the best decisions I made I think and I think a big part of that is just because at 18 I didn't know what I wanted to do but definitely almost taking that step back and really trying to figure out who I am, what do I what do I really enjoy, like what gets me excited and passionate, and what do I not enjoy? Yeah, I think more people should kind of just really spend that time to figure out, you know, what makes them tick, you know, because um, I think a lot of people almost feel pressured, whether it's through parents or friends or someone else, um, to take the next step because everyone around them is taking that next step. But yeah, I just think. If it takes six months, if it takes 12 months, two years, really trying to basically like have that self-awareness to decide what are you going to do for the rest of your life or where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Yeah, I'd encourage more young people to do that. I know what you mean about school, though. So I left England when I was 17, so a very weird age. So I completed year 11. I started sixth form and I, I did whatever subjects I did. So definitely going on that university path because that's what that's what everybody else is doing right you, you, you know like the 80 80 percent and didn't have a clue like what i wanted to do nine ten years later still not fully sure what i want to do you know still exploring and just try to try to try different things but yeah it's very pressurizing and I hope at some point i guess the education system changes and there's more flexibility within the like the curriculum to try different things, whether 
that's learning about Web 3.0 or whether that's virtual reality or AI versus some of these more, I guess, traditional things that are a little bit outdated, right? Yeah, I think it, it, I think it already is changing. When I say this, I mean not from a education educational standpoint. I still think the education system is the same how it was 30, 40 years ago probably, but I think more just younger kids growing up because they've grown up on social media they see you know everyone else on twitter instagram tiktok and they've realized that there's more options out there they don't have to go work a job for 40 years that they don't necessarily enjoy they can literally start a podcast around tea <laughs> and there's a world where you make a living with it like that is now possible because of the internet and you know you obviously see it online with like tiktokers and youtubers and influencers but um i think there's a lot of cases where yeah people have this very niche passion and interest and you know over time they build it up and then eventually it becomes their full-time thing so yeah i think younger people have more options and they they realize that no i think it's a little bit of the rub of the green light so i feel like if i redid like my schooling years and it'd look a lot different to 10 years ago when I actually like went to school just based on the new, new technologies in the world, the new information. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. Like, we probably grew up at a fairly similar time. But after me, through three or four year, years later, all the kids were kind of growing up with iPads at school, for example. Well, like, I never had that, you know. So, yeah, it's a very, very, I guess, going into like that digital world. But still think like so it's changed in some regards for example with that with technology but then you get to secondary school and you still have to you know basically like memorize these textbooks or you know learn the information to then sit an exam at the end of it but the reality is you know if you really needed to know the information you could google it or even use like chat gpt now right and you'd get the answer so so that's the part i think that's lacking Whereas, you know, the information's out there. You just have to go find it, right? So it's more giving people the tools and the knowledge of, like, how to find it. And, you know, you don't need to remember a whole textbook anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. And so what do you think you learned about yourself during your time doing that kind of apprenticeship? And then how do you kind of think it impacted you? Definitely had a big impact on me. Yeah, so initially I thought that engineering was the right choice for me, but maybe it was just that form where I felt that it wasn't 100% fully suited to me. Maybe in like a different type if I had gone the motorsport direction, maybe it would have been more suited for me. So I guess that's like an obvious answer as well. As a career path, I decided that long term it wasn't for me. And that, as I mentioned earlier, my mindset changed a lot. I don't know, just the way, the way, my, I think my natural like curiosity was and like the perspective and the way I saw things. I started to, I definitely went through this phase of just, and I think I still do this to a degree now, but just challenging a lot of, just asking why to almost everything. In the sense that I was going into an industry that's been about for a hundred plus years, for example, and there's like set procedures and methods in place because that's the way it's always been done. So maybe this is like, partially me being naive and just young and like unexperienced but I just went in and was like well why is it that way like why can't we do it this way and 
I don't know, just question things a lot. And I think naturally you just kind of understand how everyone's from different backgrounds. Um, and you have to listen and speak to people differently. Some people are your closest friends and you can have jokes with and, you know, banter with. And then the other people that maybe, you know, more experienced and have been there for a longer time, you have to be a bit more conservative with and, you you know, you kind of almost have to try and impress them or, you know, stick to, to stick to their methods and, yeah, just kind of try to get along with them. Um, so I think that's also, I guess, a big learning lesson is just ways of like approaching different people. So, yeah, I definitely learned a lot. Very good. We're just going to have a little pause for a tea fight to give you a chance to catch your breath. All right. So today's tea fact is the type of water that you make your tea in matters. So knowing if your tap water is considered hard, so that's high in minerals or soft, so low in minerals, it's important as it can affect the tea's taste. So if it's too hard, you'll get a, a metallic flavor while too soft can lead to a bitterness so if your tap water doesn't taste great straight out of the sink consider filtering it before boiling and that comes from countryliving.com slash food dash drinks 13 things every tea drinker should know i think i live in a hard water area so maybe my tea is a bit too metallic interesting no i didn't know that what's your favorite type of tea i'll give you three guesses I'm going to say Yorkshire tea. Bingo. Good. Very good. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's the end of the game. Good job. I don't know. I wasn't sure if you experimented with like herbal tea. A, l- a little bit of green tea once in a while. A little bit of like like chai, chai tea. But it, it, it's one of those very like staple things for me. Like this is what I know. This is what I like. As much as I could experiment and I should experiment, it's like it's a, it's a comfort thing as much as like anything. Sure. My other question is, have you ever asked ChatGPT for tea facts? No. Okay, well, I'll leave that with you. <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe in the future, I, mean, yeah, I don't know, come up with some interesting facts, maybe. You maybe have to fact check them, but it'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I do need some innovation because like, there's obviously all these so many sources of information for like different, <laughs> like, my tea facts to to like my level of knowledge. So there there is going to come a time when I'm going to be like I've been through 52 websites or what or whatever, right? And that's not repetitive from another website. And so I will need some innovation. So maybe ChatGP. I don't know. Like we'll, we'll see. Are you a big tea drinker? You know, it's funny. I'm actually not. Like I do drink tea, but I'm not big tea drinker. But I do have it like every now and then usually i think when i go around someone's and may offer it and i'm just like yeah go on man i don't know why that is i just can i guess your favorite tea brand i have like two main tea brands okay okay so you can but you can guess tetley or pg tips yeah we so we mainly have pg tips they're like they're probably like the those two and then yorkshire are probably the three main in the in the uk so okay yeah. And what's the other one? Oh, so so we tend to have PG, I guess, like in the morning and evenings, and then during the day we have twinings. Or my parents. Oh, twinings. Oh, that that was gonna be my next guess. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have twining. So similar to you, I'm just kind of naturally whatever's in the house is what I have. So yeah. Okay, the tea break's over, so let's jump back in. So and ask ChatGPT for some tea puns as well. You know, to Ooh, get the that's transition. Good. That's good. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Back, back from the tea break. All right. So tell us about your journey. Uh, obviously, from the early days, kind of doing that engineering apprenticeship, and then jumping into the Web 3.0 world and a Web 3 strategist. Talk to us a little bit more about the journey. So spent in total three and a half years as an electrical engineer. In the last year was when I came across the world of Web 3. How did that happen? It actually started on Twitter. I remember there was like three or four events that happened in a short period of time. You remember the Nyan Cat meme? This is very random now. Again, no. there's like there's like this meme which is basically this like pixelated cat and it has like a rainbow attached to it. Okay. It's quite a, like a I don't know. It's like it's quite a popular meme or image. I feel. Anyway, that basically sold for like half a million dollars or something as like an NFT. Then Logan Paul released um like an NFT project of some sort. Yeah. Yes. And then get and then Gary Gary V then announced that he was gonna launch V Friends, which was his NFT project. So those three things, plus there might have been a fourth one that I've forgotten, but they all happened within maybe one, two to three days. Um and then at that point it hit my radar too much to a point where I couldn't just leave it. And I felt that I had to learn, like, why is everyone suddenly talking about this, right? But then it was a case of YouTube, Google, what does this mean? <laughs> Just kind of spending a lot of my free time searching that. And then, yeah, kind of had another friend that was into, like, cryptocurrency. And we kind of got into NFTs at some time. And then I guess the main thing that then made it take off was joining vfriends gary's project i don't know like did vfriends ever hit your radio i'm like because obviously you've followed gary for a long time but like where did you i don't know like did it ever hit your radar no it did it did hit my radar but like i i maybe it's just one where my other priorities like i didn't feel like sure. i had a, like, an, enough time to like research it and, and do like this and that yeah that's what that's probably what i would say do you ever use discord much no, I have it, but I never open it. Is that a mistake? Just wondering if you're in if you're in the Discord server for for Friends. Um, so that was definitely joining V Friends was definitely a big pivotal moment because then at that point I almost I guess like I joined this community right, and everyone's talking about the same thing and just going on that journey there's a lot more like education involved and because i was part of a project i probably had more like because it affected me i like i felt the need to go through the, the friction of learning it um so yeah went on that journey joined a couple of other communities at the same time and then then the company i work for now veloce i'd been in the community for a while and i basically ended up doing a week's internship in community management for them. Um, so that's how they kind of came out to find about find out about me. And then I went back to my day job of engineering. And then like three or four months later, someone from the company reached out to me asking how much I knew about 
basically Web3 and like this new tech stuff. And at that point, I was spending every other minute of my free time, you know, being a part of the friends or being a part of other projects. And then, yeah, they got me down, they interviewed me and they hired me. So I think, again, like looking back on it, a lot of it was sure is a case of knowing the right people and just finding, you know, getting your foot in the door. But also the fact that I had like learned, I basically spent my free time. A lot of people can spend free time like watching Netflix, gaming, yeah. watching TV, et cetera, et cetera. And I do all those things too, to a certain extent, probably more on the gaming side. But um, I think the fact that I had in my spare time gone so far down like this almost like rabbit hole of just like new stuff and yeah like being curious about it and like spending the time to learn about it understand what it means and I'd done that probably for probably what 12 months maybe might even been longer might have been say like 12 months I think the fact that I'd been curious I'd kind of put in the work and I'd been consistent with it I think that showed a lot more than like the grade I had on a piece of paper, for example, right? So that was kind of how I got in into my into my new job. And then yeah, from there the rest is kind of the history after that, right? So it's funny, I was actually messaging someone on Twitter <laughs> earlier. I spend a lot of time on Twitter if you hadn't realized. Definitely the platform I use most. But I someone earlier who I know actually for a V Friends community, they just posted like their C V out and they're looking for a job. And I basically told them a similar thing of like, I know there's a big thing about the CV and the resume and your education and experience and stuff. But I think nowadays more than ever, what you do in your spare time as extracurricular says a lot more about you as a person than the grade or whatever it is on a piece of paper, right? So yeah, I, I believe in that also and think that is becoming more and more apparent. So a very self-driven, that sense of, like, curiosity to, like, want, want to learn more. And I guess that probably makes it more rewarding for you that you earn the opportunity through your own, like, curiosity and, and, and that, yeah, and just that desire to know more about this up-and-coming, like, technology and that type of thing, right? Yeah, it was rewarding in the sense that I spent three and a half years as an electrical engineer. I knew the probably realistically I probably knew six months in that it wasn't for me and it wasn't gonna like I didn't want to I wanted to you know progress and do something else it wasn't gonna be what I wanted to do forever um then we had like the pandemic and you kind of get a bit stuck there or you know like like what do I do now you know I I you know I kept like working because we were needed so I was fortunate in that regard, but again, you know, I just kind of had to keep doing my thing. Um, and, you know, at the time, actually, on the side, learning about the friends, learning about NFTs and Web3, it was just kind of, I don't want to call it a passion project, but it was just something I was doing on the side, I think almost escaping into like this new world and just kind of learning stuff because um, I found it interesting. But at that time, it never dawned upon me that that could ever be a career. And it was only actually probably a month or two before I changed where like, I saw like the first job post around 
um, like this new space and they were like needing like a manager or strategist or something. Um, and then it dawned upon me of like, oh, wait, this can actually be a grit. And I think, you know, that kind of almost ties into what I was saying earlier about how I think nowadays, if you think you're really passionate about something and there's a niche, I think that can become a realistic career path. What are some of the kind of the new skills that you've had to develop in your role at Velico? Is that Veloce? Veloce. Oh, oh Veloce. Okay. So you got some posh. Veloce. It's Italian for speed. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mentioned like earlier when I first started, a lot of like the educational and conceptual side, I was writing a lot of basically like strategy documents where I guess the educational stuff, I'd, you know, kind of break it down and explain what it is and what it means. And then the concept side was more, here's what we should do, breaking that down. And then here's why we should do it. And then like justify it. And like, I've never written a strategy document before in my life. <laughs> so that was a big learning curve trying just to I think just writing you know a document that's more than like one or two pages long you know that was definitely a big learning curve I think also and think part of this comes with a job but the realization that everyone has different levels of exposure to it some people it's like the first time they're hearing about it others they've heard about it but they don't know what it is others have like naturally into tech and may know a bit and then you get others that know a lot so i think trying to communicate an idea or thought but with an appreciation to the level that the other person is working from right like if i i don't know like to be honest if you started going, if you started talking to me and like going through like the process of how tea is made, my mind would probably <laughs> like, like after like 10 seconds, my mind would probably just be like, I don't know what, what Mike's on about. But then at the same time, there's probably a different way where you could tell me, you could probably tell it in a way where it was like easy or easier to understand. And then I'd be more engaged. Um, so yeah, that was I kind of unexpected but that was like a big I guess like learning curve and that obviously applies to a lot of things probably naturally comes with tech but that can come with any industry really I don't know other than that I guess the other main differences were the fact that my engineering job a lot of people were I guess like in their 30s or 40s or even 50s and I was kind of like the young 18 year old so that was obviously you know, a bit of an experience um, because no one's like being brought up in like the generation I have. So naturally we have different um, thoughts and, you know, naturally interested in different things. At Veloce, we have quite like a young, a young uh, group of, of, of just colleague, work colleagues. So naturally everyone's kind of like more similar orientated. Um, and the other big factor is just the fact that Previously, I was going to work in a factory, and now there's kind of this mixture of working remotely, but then like going to the office a couple of days a week. Although, yeah, when I moved to London, I'll probably be going to the office every day. So a lot of like, there's sure like some natural, I think, professional skill learning curves. Then you have more of a more of like the mental and like psychological side, and then I think there's just the 
a massive like culture and lifestyle change as well. So a lot of learnings for sure, but again, all have kind of contributed to me and who I am today. So yeah, it's, I'm always, I enjoy the process of learning new things and, you know, constantly developing. So all right, so in five years' time, where do you where do you see Web 3.0 and do you think it'll be a part of our daily lives? Short answer is yes. I think it will exist, but people won't know it exists. Meaning that today, if you want to go on the internet and go to your email account, you just go to your email account and you don't even think about it. And I... Even like I can't really tell you how the internet works, right? I just use it because it's convenient and it's where the people I socialize with are and it's how I do my work and everything else. So uh, I think naturally Web3 will be integrated, you know, within YouTube, within, you know, tickets that you go to if you go to a sporting event or, you know, It'll affect basically every industry in some form, but from a consumer's point of view, you won't really notice that it's had an impact. Like, you don't need to know. My point about the internet, like, no one, 99% of the world doesn't know how the internet works, but everyone wants to use it. So it's kind of the same thing. Like, you don't need to know how the tech works. You just um, eventually, you know, you'll just go... I don't know, whenever you want to go, say, on a safari, I don't know why it's came to mind, but say you want to go on a safari to, like, Madagascar, and, like, the ticket is an NFT, well, you'll just get your ticket and you'll go. Like, you're not going to know or care the fact that it's, like, a digital asset, right? Um, Actually, a fun one is this, is that if you, like, there's a world in the future, work in progress, but there's a world in the future whereby Say if you uh, want to stay in a hotel and you book the hotel, but then at the last minute you have to cancel it. In the past, you wouldn't get a refund. But there is a world, because of this technology, there's a world where you could then sell your booking onto someone else that wants it and still get your money back versus not getting anything. So like right. little, little things like that where benefits the consumer you don't even realize the mechanics behind it. You're just being benefited for it. Um, or maybe, I don't know, like, do you have, like, a favorite, like, musician or, like, Ed Sheeran. sports? Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran okay. Manchester City, one of those. Okay, so maybe, like, you go to an Ed Sheeran concert and the, con- and the ticket to the concert is this digital asset. And then after the concert is finished, Ed Sheeran decides everyone that went to this concert, I'm going to do like an exclusive, like, I guess, exclusive like set with people online or like it could be like a Q&A session or it could be like another private event after party, for example. But it doesn't have to be like tomorrow. It could be in like five years time. But you'd be able to see everyone that's been to a concert because everyone holds that ticket and you'd still be able to invite everyone back. So it's more just, um, yeah, ways where as a consumer, you'll just naturally have more benefits or more, you know, you'll have a better experience 
um, and you won't care about the what's happening in the background. You'll just care the fact that you can go have that awesome experience. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And I could really like see it in the event space, especially like enhancing the, the consumer and the fan ex experience and, you know, making it more efficient and speedy. So that, that's probably a really good, that's probably one of the easiest places for people to understand how it could be of a benefit, right? Yeah, 100%. All right, so you mentioned in your bio that obviously Formula One is one of your interests, and I know you have a secondary Instagram channel dedicated to Formula One content. So what do you enjoy the most about this particular motorsport, and what kind of inspired you to start the Instagram channel? I don't know. Just fast cars. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just naturally, as I said, you know, I was growing up, I think I was like eight at the time. I think a lot of people... I think, yeah, across the world, you know, I think naturally people growing up, whether it's through a parent or a family member, get into some form of sport. Maybe like motorsports is like hardest to play, but um, I don't know. Like naturally, I wasn't big on football or soccer. Um, well, I watch the international games, but I wasn't like going to a football stadium every weekend. Every weekend, I just wanted to like sit in front of the TV and watch F1. So. I don't know. Part of it just feels uh, maybe part of it is the speed, part of it is the technology, part of it is just the fact that I've become, I don't know, emotionally invested in the sport and the personalities and the drivers and everyone else involved. And honestly, it just, same when you watch Man City, probably when I watch F1, it's just kind of, I'm in my, you know, happy place of like whatever is going on around me. It's my escapism. That's what I'm trying to get. It's my escapism, right? And it brings me passion and it brings me excitement. It's drama, you know. So, yeah, naturally, that's what I'm drawn to. Um, The Instagram account, um, yeah, it's kind of a weird one. So, I don't know. I guess you're referring to the time where I made made a lot of, like, reels or TikToks around, like, sports cards. So, again, like, sports cards, I got into sports cards through Gary and there was a time when tops announced a partnership with f1 so i was naturally like well i've been getting into sports cars recently i'm a big f1 fan so i guess i have to buy these i brought them and then i don't know i wanted to record them and see what my reactions were and if i got anything good and i also think again that might be in during the pandemic so probably at the weekends i couldn't watch f1 so that was just, you know, another, I don't know, just another phase where I was having fun with it and, yeah, just learning and trying out new things. And I did enjoy it, um, but I kind of stopped. So I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. All right. I also love F1 too. I, I like most sports just for the record. So I have seen a few F1 races on TV, like, well, when I was in England, because like, you can see it on sure. ITV and all. And all, all these other channels, but yeah, they're all the fun, and I feel like it's one of those spots that it'd be better to watch on TV than than go actually going, and you only see like one moment in the race, and then you're watching the rest on the screen. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. I actually didn't go to my first ever like Grand Prix 
um, probably like a month ago. I went to Silverstone in the UK. How would I compare it? I don't know. Like, you definitely... I was probably fortunate in the fact that I was kind of in front of a monitor. But I definitely feel that at the race, you lose a bit. You kind of lose track of what's happening in the race a bit. Because to your point, you're kind of at one section of track. I think I will say, and this is the same for any sport, but being there in person, like the atmosphere is just different. Like this year, we had a British driver, Lando Norris, take the lead on the first lap of a British Grand Prix. And like, you better know that like the whole like track basically like was just like cheering i believe it um, yeah yeah like the whole the whole track was just like you just heard this massive sound like amplified of everyone cheering and then like every lap everyone's like clapping them and you know like trying to give them the encouragement so you obviously don't get that from just watching as a spectator on tv so yeah i don't know pros and cons to both i guess for some sports as well you know people almost form like their micro like friends groups and maybe like they go with like other friends or friends they know or family members. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Both, I guess, is the answer. But F one especially is expensive, so mm. uh, not doing that. <laughs> not doing that every weekend. Um, <laughs> no, it was the first time I'd ever done it, so it was a great experience. Uh, happy to watch it on TV, and yeah, I don't know. When I when I watch on TV, I sometimes get a bit into the game or race a bit. Anim- yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're the same with Man City, but... Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Happens, like, I'm standing up shouting at the TV, yeah. you know. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> Who's your favourite Formula 1 driver of all time? Of all time? Why? The answer would be Lewis Hamilton. He was the first driver I watched, really, in 2008. He won the championship and kind of followed him since. But nowadays, I'm, a, I'm still a fan of him, but I'm also a fan of... Lando Norris and George Russell. They just all happen to be British drivers. No British bias there. I don't, I don't know. But no. Um, so those are like my main three nowadays. I've probably become a bit more, a bit more, I think maybe because I have multiple drivers now, I've become a bit more neutral and I just like to appreciate it for the sport it is. But yeah, naturally, those three drivers are my main ones nowadays. That's funny. I, like, I should have totally like guessed because in my head, I'm like, when when you started off on the whole like British contingent, I'm like, oh, that probably means that his Lewis Hamilton is up there in terms of his like favorite like drivers. I should have done it. I should have. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like people, uh, I think people in the UK either seem to love him or hate him. I don't know why. He's just kind of one of those personalities where, yeah, it's either one or the other. So, but no, big fan. Um, and he's like done a lot for the sport and uh, maybe as Brits we're not the best in every sport but motorsports and F1 we've always kind of been okay so that's another bonus so for, so for me when I started watching F1 I was always like most fascinated by like Ferrari and Michael Schumacher and then Fernando Alonso and then like Sebastian Vettel I guess but I, I don't know I was drawn to the car and then the I guess the rest like kind of Followed, I, I know it's really shifted in terms of the dominant teams now. It's not really Ferrari anymore. It's like it's the Red Bulls, and and before that it was like it was like Mercedes and stuff. But yeah, for me it was like Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso. When I was watching, it was like Jensen Button too, like for McLaren and like things I like that. Like Jensen so. as well. Yeah, I just like Jensen again. He's British. <laughs> it's just the way it is. <laughs> 
So if, if money wasn't a problem per se, like, which is there a venue for Formula One that you would go to in the world and why? Singapore. I think I just genuinely, it's number one, I've never been. Number two, I love the racetrack. And there's always seems to be a good race there. It's a nighttime race. People get tired and make mistakes and there's just excitement that comes with Singapore. And I think naturally, I don't know, it just feels interesting and feels like there's a lot of stuff to do there. And I don't know, I'm drawn to it. I'm curious to just see see what that place is like. I don't know, just like the culture, I guess. Probably because it's definitely very different to what the UK or America is like. I just, um, yeah, would just be interested and would love to go there at some point. So kind of that overall experience, both from the racing perspective and then a little bit culturally too? Yeah, 100%. All right, so in your bio, you mentioned that you also play like pickleball. So how would you describe the sport to some, to somebody who knows nothing about it and has never played? Have you heard of pickleball? Yes, only because okay. Gary like co-owns like a team and I started watching yeah. it a little bit online and then Pickleball's taken off like where I live too and there's a lot of people that play so kind of a mixture. Have you played yet? I have not played. Um, um, you should definitely play. So Pickleball. Yeah, so again, through Gary, there's a common theme here. Uh, to your point, is what? yeah, same as you, like through Gary was kind of where I first heard of Pickleball. Um, and then he got his own team called The Fives. So I don't know, I guess I'd seen little pieces of it on social media and obviously knew a little bit because of him. But actually it was when I went to America earlier this year, I went to America in May and went there for a week. Didn't plan on playing pickleball, but I ended up playing like three or four times whilst I was out there. And I was with some other people I knew and it was just great fun. Uh, really enjoyed it. And then I came back and after about three or four weeks, I was just kind of had that, I guess, like urge to like, I wanted to get back on the court and just like start playing, you know, with the bat and the ball and just, yeah, start playing pickleball again. So after a bit of looking, I found a, found a local place that done pickleball and then yeah, kind of just started doing that on a weekly basis. Yeah, I know pickleball has definitely taken off in the US. It's got some more traction in the UK as well. In Europe, there's another sport called paddle, which is also taking off. So oh. I don't, don't know if you've heard of paddle, but no, it's kind of paddles like similar to squash. I think when you're like in a cage when you know, you can like bounce off walls and stuff. Yeah. And then pickleball, yeah, is like more America. So we've kind of got both these like bat and uh, ball sports taking off at the same time so so yeah it's super interesting yeah that's kind of how I got into pickleball now I just do it as a hobby and enjoy it can't wait to you know play with my friends again who I haven't played with for like six months see how everyone's improved because there's definitely multiple people like me where they've gone back home and like started playing everyone's kind of I think everyone's got the itch like everyone who I tell to go play or I play with like afterwards they just want to keep playing I think it's just fun and it's super accessible I didn't I realized I've done this whole thing and haven't actually explained what pickleball is pickleball is basically a combination of tennis table tennis and badminton so yeah you have like a paddle you have a, a you have a ball and then you have like a net and you have like a badminton court that you play in but it's just super fun super accessible like Compared to something like tennis, tennis, I feel like you almost have to be fit already or a bit of an athlete to, you know, yeah, have the, yeah. 
stamina to keep playing with this you know you can you don't you can literally at my local club you get people as young as probably the age of like six or seven and then the oldest is like probably mid 70s love it might you know so it doesn't matter what age you are it's yeah can be a family sport if you want it to be um you get the young uns playing with the more experienced people and yeah you know you can still work up a bit of a sweat but you're not dying afterwards <laughs> which is always nice. Yeah, that's basically how I got into it. And yeah, that's what I enjoy doing now on the weekend. So yeah, I think you need to find a local court, Mike, and you need to give it a go. I don't really have an excuse. Uh, I have a I have a pickleball club that is literally like 10 minute walk from my house. Oh my days. Come on, you got it. Try it once. It's like the, it's the main pickleball call. Like where I live, it was like ten minutes away. Like just walking, it's not hard to get there. Yeah, I don't know. You should give it a go. It'd be fun. Give it a go. I know people that do it, so maybe I'll like tag along. One time, I feel like it's better if you tag along with like someone that. If you tag along, it's definitely better. If you already know people was going, that's always a win. Yeah, I don't know. Give it a go. See how you feel. I mean, I guess like personally, almost after secondary school, I'd probably stop playing sports a bit so i probably needed something else you know i kind of obviously had like a pandemic stuff again and then came out of it got a new job so i probably got to a point where i felt i now need something and it actually almost came at the right time so yeah it was it was good um would recommend i said you should always try things in life but as in the uk i i played a lot of table tennis for a short period of my life mm. And I put a lot of hours in, like, practicing, and I actually got pretty, like, good. I went from not being yeah. able to, like, not being able to, like, hit it over the net to, like, my, I think my longest rally by the end, after all these hours, was probably, like, 100 shots. Damn. If you used to play table tennis, then you'd probably have naturally, you'd naturally have the edge. You'd naturally have the edge pickable. Like, because the skills are kind of transferable, right? Or, like, I don't know, slight like natural, like, muscle memory, I guess. So... Yeah, naturally you'd probably you'd you'd be a good starting point, I reckon. So for table tennis, want to put in all these like hours. Badminton, okay at the net, but like no power in the smash. Like, yeah, I don't know, but I think you'd you'd have an advantage compared to like someone just starting out if you've had a pass to play in badminton for tennis, for sure. All right, so as we come towards kind of the end of the podcast, tell us something that listeners wouldn't know about you. It's a great question. I don't know. I feel like there's two ways I can do this. I can either do like really like random fun facts or I can do try to say something that has been on my mind a lot. Started journaling. Okay. Admittedly, I past twenty three years of my life I've never journaled, but for the past month or two I've started journaling just as a way to help I guess like articulate my thoughts and really whatever's on my mind just get it down on paper and to help with that like thought process and i found it to be very beneficial so yeah i journal and it's almost weird like nowadays i feel like a lot of people well speaking for myself but i feel like a lot of people don't just spend time there with like a pad and a pen and just like writing a page <laughs> when i started it was kind of like i, I almost i didn't forget how to write but i hadn't wrote something that was like a page long in a while or a long time so, yeah, I started journaling and I'm having great fun with it and would highly recommend to anyone else um, 
but maybe has a lot of thoughts and just needs to get them down on and just kind of clear your mind. And yeah, I found that to be super helpful. Do it daily or just when you feel like you need to? Like, is there a structure or is it literally random? Like, you, you could be sitting outside, you could, you could be in the bedroom, you could, sure. you know what I mean? You could be in the um, kitchen, you know? I, I thought about doing it daily, but I didn't want to force the habit because I feel like sometimes you might try force every day and it just doesn't come as natural. So I decided just to do it as and when I feel the need to, but I tend to do it in the evenings at the end of the day because I feel like the end of the day is a good time to, you know, self-reflect on whatever's been troubling you or whatever you're excited about or, you know, maybe just like a stand-up moment from the day. So, or like just generally what's on your mind, both past and present and future. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. How long do you do it for, or do you just let it like, like happen ten, and see what happens? Same evening, like okay, yeah, ten minutes, like not long, but yeah, it's just fun to just like almost like sit there, like phones like to the side, face down, and just like sit there, right, and see where your mind goes. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Have you found that it's helped with your I don't know with your stress levels, with your clarity? Like, have you noticed any differences? about stress levels i think definitely just like clarity right in just general just like day-to-day thoughts and like maybe if it's something you're worrying about in the future that ends up not matter mattering yeah definitely just i think peace of mind clarity and yeah just like general like mindfulness oh all right so what's kind of next for you personally and professionally moving to london that's the big one that's the big one i think yeah i think the writing's on the wall i think I mean, I've been in the process of looking. It's just a case of finding something. So excited to see where that next chapter leads. Come, it will come with probably a lot more responsibility, a lot more opportunity, and a lot more. Yeah, I, I don't know. New people, new opportunities, new ideas, new lifestyle. So yeah, excited to see what that version chapter looks like. So, yeah. Do you live at home or by yourself? No, I still live at home with my parents. Nice. Nothing wrong with that. All right. So finally, where can people find you on social media if they want to learn more about what you do or they have questions from the podcast or, yeah, they, they, sure. they just think you're an interesting person? Sure. I mean, Twitter is definitely the best platform. My handle is at BenFuller94. And then I guess the other one, the main one is Instagram, which is just BenFuller. And then F1. So, yeah, find me there. Cool. And like I said, as we kind of wrap this up, is there anything that you, you want to add to what we've talked about? Anything I've missed? A question you thought uh, I was going to ask you? No, I don't think so. I think really enjoyed the conversation. It was great to finally have this, yeah, have this conversation after all these years. And, yeah, look forward to seeing what the future holds for both of us. Awesome, man. Thanks for being here and spending some time at the end of your day. No worries. Cheers, Mike. This was the Tea with Mike show with Ben Fuller. If you enjoyed Ben's story, make sure you check out some of the other great stories from people all over the world at teawithmike.com and on all of the major podcasting platforms, the Apples, the Spotify's, the Google Breakers, and that type of thing. Thanks, Ben. It's the Tea with Mike show.